Chapter 15 Donald's Secret Mission In the spirit of A Problem Shared is a Problem Doubled, we won't go into the details of the next few hours of Polly's life. Polly wished her room freshly painted, as watching it dry would have given her endless joy in comparison. Alone with her thoughts, they eventually brought her back to Donald Pigeon. She wondered for the thousandth time why he had given her that code. Did it mean anything? Had Donald thought about her at all these past days? Maybe she was only another bit of background fodder in his epic universe. To someone born on another planet, someone like her must seem reasonably insignificant. Building a list of questions to ask him in her head had become her daily occupation. What was over there like? Was it similar to Earth? She'd heard somewhere that it had a sea and that it was purple. How old was he? When had he left over there? Her questions led to more questions. What was he here for? Did they share the same emotions? Did he have feelings? Was he a he at all? Did that even matter? Like a dog trying to catch its tail, her mind went round and round. She got up and paced around the small room, playing out different scenarios for when they met. She'd think of something very amusing to say. She'd work out what that was later. Donald would see her and say something like, Wow, you're so funny. And then she'd say something brilliant. He'd say, You are so smart. I have traveled across the universe and have never found anyone as smart and funny. And then he would add, And beautiful, under his breath. She would say, What did you say? And then she would look at him, and then... Ouch! Her thoughts were thwarted by the door abruptly introducing itself to her head. Are you okay? At the top of a long pair of legs, the star of her imagination stood over her. It was only the second time meeting him, but she felt overjoyed at such a friendly face. Donald seemed taller than before, and not as thin. Having only seen him once, Polly had started to think that she might not remember what he looked like, but her memory snapped into place. He frowned a little. Are you okay? You're not hurt, are you? Polly looked at him dumbly and laughed. It was a strange laugh that went a little high in the middle. Oh, I'm fine. What are you doing here? Her head hurt. Good question. I'm not sure. They have just brought me here, Donald said, smiling at her. Suddenly, an urge took over Polly, and she threw her arms around him. I'm so pleased you're okay, she said, then thought how strange it was that he didn't feel remotely alien. He felt incredibly familiar. She stepped back from him, embarrassed. Donald beamed back at her, and her embarrassment melted away. I was picked up when I left your house the other day. I'm not sure what it is that is happening, but they are looking for your brother, Bert, said Donald. They have him, Polly said. He turned up the day after you arrived. We've been trying to find you. What has he done? Do you know? No idea. I... he faltered. I suppose you know that I'm not... um... what's the right way to say this? I was not born on Earth. I know interrupted Polly to save him from struggling. Well, 
I guessed. Is that why they arrested you? She said, suddenly angry on his behalf in case this was true. I thought so at first, but they seemed more interested in Bert. I was expecting my arrest and felt sure they were going to lock me up for good, or worse. But then I was brought to see you. He looked thoughtful. I suppose they can't think me a threat if they've let me come and speak to you. What about you? Have they mistreated you? Did they arrest you too? Polly did her best to explain the last few days. She left out a few pieces of information, such as broadcasting to the world that she and Donald were married. It seemed a minor part of the overall story that needed more time to explain adequately. While talking, she'd taken hold of his hand. He hadn't seemed to notice. Becoming aware of their skin touching made her feel funny again. Perhaps she hit her head harder than she thought. Ah, look at the two lovebirds. Simon, the policeman, came barging in through the door of the tiny octagonal room. Polly went to let go of Donald's hand, blushing shamefully, but he wouldn't let go and held tight. You're both getting on well, then. Good, good. Simon continued in his merry way, popping down a massive stack of files on the table. Donald and Polly exchanged a look to check if the other understood what was going on, and quickly established neither of them had a clue. Just a few forms to fill in, then you can both be on your way, Simon said, taking out a pen from his little tin pencil case that had red trucks on it. Are you sure? said Polly. I was pretty certain that we were still needed. What about Bert? she asked as an afterthought. Can't tell you anything, I'm afraid. I need you to sign these forms, and then you can go home. I bet you're both looking forward to getting home, hey? He grinned with an exaggerated wink. Simon, Polly decided quickly, was a nosy twit. Polly stopped asking questions after that. She did want to get out of this place. Better to get out first and ask questions later. That was to be her adopted motto. Several hours later, and with hands covered in black ink, they found themselves outside 49 Farringdon Road. The dusty, noisy metropolis roared by while our two seemingly disinterested adventurers stood in the street shadows awaiting a cab. Donald was the first to speak. Would it be okay if I came to your house? There's so much to talk about. He stammered. Of course. Polly assumed that was happening anyway. Inwardly, she cringed. Why am I so embarrassed? I do not understand what is happening to me. Make it stop, make it stop. She silently lamented. An inward and rather harsh voice that sounded a bit like her mother gave her a stern talking to. Come on, what are you playing at? Cut this nonsense out. It's no time to mess around with aliens. You're supposed to be a grown-up. They arrived back in Putney just as the environmental disposal experts, or bin men, as Polly still called them, were trying their best to pick out little bits of plastic from the rubbish and discard it willy-nilly across the street. They walked around to Polly's flat. What? Polly glared at Donald. Donald, for his part, was looking at a single piece of glass on the pavement. Oh, so don't even bother talking then, Polly continued. Somewhere between the cab and the door, Polly had got herself worked up into a roaring rage with Donald Pigeon. She had no idea why this change of heart had occurred, 
although someone a little wiser may have put it down to vulnerability. What? Sorry, I mean, pardon? Do you know this path is littered with glass? It's everywhere. I didn't even notice the first time I was here. This is a health hazard. It was as if he was talking to himself. Is that the only thing you're interested in? replied Polly, in a voice more huffy than intended. As if that was the most important thing on Earth, or over there? No, no, no! Polly was rudely interrupted by Donald collecting shards of glass from her path. You are unbearable and a weirdo. Can we please go inside? Polly blurted this out and then, seeing the look on Donald's face, felt as if she'd just torn off every petal from the most delicate of flowers. Donald's eyes linked with hers, and she suddenly realized that she'd embarrassed him. Oh, I just thought it would be safer if I picked up the glass. You may cut your feet, or, well, it was silly of me, I suppose. He looked at her as if hoping for her forgiveness. The concern, the gesture, and his awkwardness made her heart hurt so much that she wanted to swoop all six feet of him up in her arms and tell him she loved him. Yeah, great. Well done. Let's go in. Polly replied in what she hoped was a jokey, light sort of tone. Polly went straight to the bathroom when they got in. She gave herself a long look in the mirror. Am I attractive to him? She wondered, staring at her face, taking in her dark, frizzy hair, her glasses, the shine on her nose. She could only see where improvements could be. She thought about her previous relationships. Did it even matter how she looked? A fat, wet tear fell down her face. The voice returned. Stop it. This is stupid. Who cares what anyone else thinks about your looks? You're okay. Stop making up love stories. Belittled, she hastily washed her hand and returned to the living room. Donald was still hovering at the top of the stairs. You can sit down, she said, trying to make her voice sound neutral. Donald made for one of the kitchen chairs. She noticed he was limping a bit. You are allowed to sit on the sofa, she said, getting annoyed again by his timidity. Oh, sorry, I... Well, Bert said not to sit on the most comfortable seats. It's rude, he said while hobbling towards the sofa. Bert is a twit, Polly replied, turning her back on Donald and filling up the kettle noisily. She wondered what the devil was up with her today. Was she becoming neurotic? Donald paused and looked at her, unsure what to do. Do you hate him? He asked, moving towards the kitchen chairs again. Will you please, please sit down? No, not on the kitchen chair, on the sofa! She almost shouted. Naturally, he obeyed, and she watched him wince as he eased himself onto the sofa. Anger swelled inside her once again. What did the official police do to you? Did they beat you up? A pang of guilt hit her. She'd left Bert with those people. What are you talking about? Oh, no, I see. He sussed out that she was referring to his limping and wincing. It's not what you think. It's a little embarrassing. I fell down the stairs on my way to see you this afternoon. 
Donald confessed. Polly looked skeptical. No, really, I was rushing, and I'm still not used to your level of gravity, and, well... Donald petered out. Donald could see the sunshine once more and let out a little laugh. Oh, well, don't worry. I fall over all the time, and I'm used to the gravity, said Polly, settling things. What do we do now? You didn't answer my question. Do you hate Bert? Ovarians cannot hate, therefore I am curious to know what it would take, said Donald. Polly thought about it. I suppose I should. If he has hurt innocent people, I certainly hate that he did that. She let out a sigh. But hate him? No, I don't think I do. As stupid and dangerous as he was, I can't bring myself to hate him. That's good. Really good. I am experiencing guilt. I think that a lot of this is the fault of ovarians and mine by extension, admitted Donald. Why? asked Polly. Well, it goes like this. If ovarians weren't so fascinated by earthlings and the need to intervene in their impending demise, then I would not have been sent here with Janet. Had I not come here, Bert would not have met me. If Bert had not met me, he would not have met Janet. Janet was a friend, you see. We were part of the same envoy. Janet and I were both quite radical and idealistic when we first came here. We naively thought we were helping Earth. We thought we were doing a good thing by introducing ourselves and coming to help. I can see how we were well-intentioned, but ignorant of how people on Earth lived. He paused briefly to sip his tea. I'm a bit lost, admitted Polly. I am so sorry. It is such a lot for you to understand. I do not want to upset you. He looked at her quickly, as if trying to pass something meaningful across, before diverting his eyes to stare at the wall behind her. It was as if they were having a conversation on three different levels. Words, energy, and actions had contradicted one another, until Polly was left overwhelmed and in the dark. That bit you said about Earth's impending demise is a bit concerning, leveled Polly. What exactly is going to happen? She asked. He remained silent. Please. She looked down at her shoes. There's so much I want to know. I'm not even sure what the right questions are to ask you. Please don't worry about upsetting me. I get upset over advertisements with dogs frolicking around with toilet roll. It doesn't matter if you talk or not. Don't panic. I'll tell you everything you want to know reassured Donald. For the first time in her life, Polly really and truly listened. It felt very odd at first to hear him talk about Earth the same way someone might speak of a far-off land. Very quickly, the oddness manifested into fascination. It wasn't solely the talk of intergalactic travel, space, time, and the universe. Donald fascinated her. He could be reading the contents of a custard mix, and she'd be listening. Tell me first about Bert, she said decidedly. 
What happened between him and Janet, and who did he hurt? How was he using me? Was that why he came back? How did you meet? Okay, okay. One question at a time. Bert and I met through work, and we got chatting. We'd go for the odd drink after work and moan about Gary. That was our boss. He looked a little guilty. I know, I met him, agreed Polly. Did you? I'm sorry you had to go through that, said Donald sincerely. It's okay, I've met worse, Polly confirmed. Really? I don't envy you that. Anyway, where was I? Yes, we'd go for the odd pint, we weren't that close. And then one night, Janet turned up at the pub. She had been living in the U.S., but traveled to the U.K. and was out with work colleagues. And you and she were both envoys from over there? interjected Polly. Yes. All envoys are assessed and trained by country and then grouped according to Earth alliances. It makes it easier to integrate. Janet was selected for the U.S., so I was more than a little surprised to see her. The last time I'd seen her was on over there. Donald continued. How did you get here? asked Polly. That's jumping the gun a bit. We teleported, obviously. I'll explain that later. Bert and Janet met that night and fell in love, I suppose. Donald looked queerly at Polly as he said this. And she died, right? added Polly, keen to get to the teleportation bit. No, he said. What? Wait, but Bert said she died. Was he lying? asked Polly. Now she was confused again. It didn't take a lot. I think he does genuinely believe that something has happened to her and that she is dead. But no, she left him. And, for the record, we don't die, Donald leveled. Then why does he still claim she's dead? Polly paused for a second before that last bit of information hit. You don't die? Hmm, well, yes, it was a worrying development at the time. I think it made it easier for him to blame someone else or something else for her leaving. It backed up his deluded conspiracies. He paused. And no, we don't die on over there. The conspiracies are not a new thing? But he was so convincing. Polly couldn't yet absorb what not dying could mean. It was like showing a mouse the theory of relativity. It it did not compute. He's convincing because he believes them to be true. His sense of reason and logic has left him. He cannot turn back because that would mean having to face all his mistakes and accept responsibility. Donald gave Polly a meaningful look. What has happened to Janet? Where is she? Has she returned to over there? Polly picked at her teacup. Oh, goodness no. She's alive and living in Bromley. Bromley? Where on earth is that? Polly puzzled. No idea. Donald shrugged. So, who did Bert hurt? Do you know about it? 
She pushed herself to ask these questions, but, in truth, didn't want to know the answers. I knew that he was unbalanced, but it was only last week when I realized how serious things had got. I believe the attack at Baron's court was him. But that killed thirteen people, gasped Polly. Donald said nothing and stopped himself. There was something else he felt guilty about, but Polly had suddenly figured it out. Ah, you told him about the code so that he'd get in touch with me, she said. I never thought in a million years he'd try and use you for his protection. Honestly, I had no idea. I am so sorry. I just thought that if he got back in touch with you, he might return to some rational thought. He talked of you so often. I thought I was getting him help, but instead I endangered you. He looked as if he might cry. Polly put her arms around him. Stop taking the blame. It's not your fault. He didn't look remotely comforted and looked down at Polly. She couldn't quite understand the look. She suddenly felt an act of great courage that she'd never felt before. Lifting herself on the tips of her toes, she kissed him. There was a nanosecond in time where it felt like the world could have taken two very different paths. In a nanosecond, every type of emotion rushed through Polly's body. It felt that she might implode, and then, just as soon as she became remotely aware, it disappeared. A warm, liquid, silky feeling flooded through her as Donald reciprocated the pressure against her lips. Her brain shifted to a higher realm, leaving her with a distinct understanding of everything. At this moment, she could explain it all. She could have made a t-shirt that always showed the front no matter which way you looked at it, completed an eight-dart finish, or scored a hat trick with one shot at goal. It was a glance, a glint of sparkles and gold, a speck of the most vivid and beautiful color she'd ever seen. The beautiful moment evaporated as her lips left him, and she felt aware that he had withdrawn. A creeping sense of loss and despair crawled under her fingernails and beneath her scalp. Donald looked back at her and smiled. An earthling's brain is perhaps the most complex thing to an earthling, but to an observer from another planet, it is a very cute yet simple thing. He flipped her nose with his finger. Like a radio, he ventured. The brain is one collected consciousness, a sort of broadcast of thoughts. There are billions and trillions of thoughts occurring every second, every nanosecond. Donald seemed unstoppable now. Polly allowed him to continue his strange chatter. Each brain has its radio, and each radio is different. But the radio itself is not generating the content or thoughts. The thoughts are broadcast from multiple locations. No individual earthling has control over the broadcast, and yet it belongs to everyone. It is a beautiful design. 
Thank you? Polly wasn't sure if it was a compliment or not. Earthling brains also have another function, which is rooted in the physical world. He took a sip of tea and calmly carried on. There are two potential viruses that can attack. One is a psychosis known to occur when a paradox is present. The other is a negative feedback loop where a new thought is copied and repeated over and over, much to the discomfort of the earthling. These viruses are incredibly useful for many things that over there has developed. Using these so-called viruses, we figured out how to teleport through space, prevent death, and live in harmony. Donald stretched out his body and seemed to relax. Can we do that too? Can earthlings teleport through space? Polly asked in a wide-eyed astonishment. An earthling is currently unable to physically and mentally transport itself from one area of space because, number one, they have created a governance called time that prevents them from imagining they can. Number two, They are unable to connect to their collective consciousness and don't yet understand their collective abilities. Number three, they wouldn't know where to go because they don't believe anywhere else other than Earth exists. Tricky to get somewhere you don't think is there. Number four, there isn't a four, but I like even numbers. Donald joked. Polly's brain felt like a smudge of glue, and her stomach as if she'd swallowed a glob of larvae. We're idiots? She said, trying to find something comfortable to cling to. Wondering when the time might be to bring up the fact she'd kissed him, and he'd not mentioned it. No, far from it. You're just very new in universal terms, said Donald enthusiastically. In many respects, you are fascinating and brilliant. Polly blushed, until she realized that he was referring to her as an earthling, not as an individual. Okay, so, assuming we figure out one and two before the sun dies, where is over there? Polly asked, feeling very grown up suddenly. She was talking to an alien about space travel, for real. Over there is only 3,000 galaxies away, about 20 billion miles or so, answered Donald. If I could get you in a headlock, I could show you, but I'm afraid I might blow your mind. Don't flatter yourself, said Polly gruffly, still annoyed he'd not mentioned the kiss. I wasn't. The odds of me blowing your mind are 98 to 1 said Donald as he gently pulled her closer to him.